Hey, Anna. Yes, Mike. Okay, before we start the show, got some exciting news for you. Oh, go on. I like a bit of news. Yes, we got our latest shipment of Paleo Ridge for Billy. Marvelous. Yeah, yeah. And he, at the moment, is out chewing on a duck's neck. Oh. He absolutely loves those. Oh, we love a duck's neck. You know, duck is such an interesting meat because it's actually good for dogs who have a few kidney problems, you know. But um, duck necks are super and they're so easily absorbed. Well, he absolutely loves them. And... His new favorite also for the meal is the wild venison and duck. So thanks for putting me on the paleo. We love it. Well, I'm glad you're feeding raw. I know it took a while, but, you know, the best things in life are worth waiting for. Right, Mike? They definitely are. And if you want to consider feeding your dogs raw, check out the links to Paleo Ridge. They're in the show notes. You know how even in your short lifetime, how market trends have changed in the world of dogs. But one thing still remains the same, and that's loving to go and buy things in a pet boutique. We're jumping on Zoom now to talk to a global market research firm called Attest, and to Sarah Hollinshead, who's championed this research on the UK market as we're all facing cost of living crisis. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Sarah, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, gosh, this is really an exciting podcast for me. I've been looking forward to it because, Sarah, you work for a firm called Attest. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, I head up brand and content at Attest. Right. And so a test is all about research, isn't it, into market potential and flagging up socioeconomic changes that might be going on for all sorts of firms. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're a consumer research platform and we pioneer something we call continuous insight. So uh, because we have unparalleled speed and data quality and then also amazing on-demand research expertise, we make it really simple for anyone to be able to run regular research, get clear insight into a topic of interest and be continuously uncovering opportunities with consumer data. I mean, that's really good. I mean, not only in terms of people wanting to sell things, but also for people to really understand trends and how that's affecting our lifestyles, right? Yes, and there's no more movable time, I think, than right now with everything that the world is continuously going through. I think consumer behaviours are constantly changing and that's why we promote this idea of being continuously tapped in with these trends and how things are shifting because it impacts, you know, everything, as you say. Well, yes, particularly with this study, because, yes, everyone listening is going, well, when are we going to talk about dogs, Anna, here? Um, <laughs> so this study is pandemic pets. Brits favour dogs and cats and aren't afraid to spoil their pets. Now, this all sounds fantastic, but, you know, you were highlighting about trends and, you know, will, will change, basically. I mean, we've seen an, an enormous shift over the pandemic mm -hmm. in terms of another four million dogs suddenly living in this country alone. I mean, in Scotland, I, I did Radio Scotland, actually, uh, last Friday, and the research, interestingly, which I'm sure you'll concur on, the, in Scotland, right, there are so many more dogs. It's one in four people have a dog, apparently. Mm -hmm. So the dog population now of Scotland is the same as 
as the whole population of Edinburgh, the human population of Edinburgh <laughs> and Glasgow, that's how many dogs are just living in Scotland. Wow. I love that as a, as a visual, just dogs taking over the Edinburgh Castle. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> That's it. So, but that's, a, you know, it's, it's quite an impressive visuals, you know. Now, you found similar results in this study, have you not? Yeah. And if we're talking about trends, we, we've done previous pet and dog focused research before um, looking at the kind of earlier stages of the pandemic and found some interesting things. So 11% of Brits reported to get a new pet during the pandemic when we reviewed back in November 2021. Um, and we also found quite, quite comically that 24, so one in four of those new pet owners claimed that they had some regrets about bringing a fairy friend into their lives. So this idea of getting a, a pandemic pet and then life starts to get back to normal and, and some concerns around maybe biting off more than they could chew. Um, so that's an interesting trend we've been watching. Um, but yeah, this was more about sort of understanding the specifics of pet ownership, where dogs lay in that. Um, and then very much how pets are part of people's lives. How much are they spending on them? What are they spending? Where are they spending that? How do they want to integrate them into our lives? And yeah, it's been a lovely piece of research. Um, yes, I mean, one one little point I'm, I'm looking at at the moment is everybody does want to ensure that their dog has a good night's rest. Yeah. <laughs> and I concur on this. You know, I do believe you know, there was another study that said that 53% of all women um, get a better night's sleep with their dog than they do their partner. Take that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a similar statistic. And this one actually surprised me quite a lot, which was 50% of Brits say that they sleep with their pets in their bed. So half of Brits, um, which, you know, I, I know that that's a thing that people do, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong and being surprised by that. But half is quite a lot. And actually, we ran the same research in a few other markets and the US is even higher at 57% um, letting their pets sleep in their own bed. Um, and even more just adorable it's it, it, they're part of the sleeping routine but they're also just very much seen as part of their everyday life and celebration so we see 58 percent of people are buying birthday and christmas presents for their pets and 38 percent say they take their pets with them pretty much wherever they can um so yeah but they're part of the family and these these statistics really reveal that i think and I think you see the other side of that, you know, people taking dogs with them everywhere, you know, back in 2002, that wasn't possible because mm. nowhere was dog friendly. And that's when I brought my first dog as a grown up into my life, you see, mm -hmm. in 2002. And there was one pub locally, um, which was Bloomsbury then, that allowed dogs, you mm. know, nowhere else did. So, you know, it's interesting, this research that you've done kind of highlights the bigger picture, doesn't it? You know, that actually, OK, establishments are realising that more people have got dogs. So I always say a canny entrepreneur will open their doors to dog owners now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one way that that can be seen is is dogs in the office. Um, and that's something that's particularly close to our heart at a test. So um, not sure if you're aware of this, Anna, but uh, we won an award for being the most UK's most dog friendly company um, last year. Oh, which wow. Was, yeah, it was really, really exciting and a very sweet process from start to 
to, to finish, but Rover is a, they're, they're a pet sitting and, and pet walking platform. And they ran this competition and we had to fill in various bits of detail around how we structure ourselves around dogs. Um, and yeah, we came up top, which was really exciting. So um, I think dogs in the office is just one, another example of how much more flexibility there is for pet owners today. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I love the fact of taking dogs into the office. You know, there's, there's so many benefits there. Yeah. You know, they, they allow people to actually communicate in real time using speech for a start, you know, but even by saying, well, what's your dog's name? You know, so you, you encourage interaction and dogs lower your blood pressure just by sitting in a room. You know, it's been scientifically proven. But you do get those that have problems with dogs in the office, don't you? At the end, you know, some people... People are genuinely afraid, sinophobic of dogs. So how have you as a firm managed to keep everybody happy? Do, you know, like I've heard another, well, a big high tech firm um, has a floor that's got all the dog people on and then they've got a floor with all the cat people on. That was a joke. But the floor with people that are allergic or nervous around dogs, you know. Yeah, dog v cat war. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, absolutely. We do have to be considerate of that. I do. It, we do struggle to find people um, that don't adore dogs and are happy being around dogs. To be honest, we actually had a new starter this week who's um, who's who's said that he's allergic. He's like, it's fine. I don't mind. You know, I get to have a day and then I can go home. I'll pop an antihistamine. <laughs> um, so you know, but obviously we are accommodating. So we have a. A dog to base, we call it. Um, and it's got information about all of the dogs and their different behavior types. So this is as much for the dog as for humans as well, but understanding how they like to be interacted with, are they likely to come up to you? Are they not? Um, and then we have a whole booking system because we're completely flexible working at the moment in terms of when you come into the office and when you don't. So people will engage, you know, I'm going to bring my dog in today and people can make their own decisions based off all of that information. So it's just being kind of understanding of every day is not the same. Um, and being able to work around everybody's everybody's needs so um a hot desk booking system for people that want that quiet space to avoid dogs can do that on our on our booking system for example and then you've got all of these resources and advice for actually how to to deal with the specific dogs and their personalities um they also have a cute little job title as well which i love everyone so you know chief cuddles porficer you know it's all very cute (laughs) so sarah have you got a dog so um, I had pets growing up, but I unfortunately am not in a living situation at the moment where I can have um, do- dogs or cats. I love both. Um, so having dogs in the office for me is such a big part of my life. I love coming in and being able to play with the dogs there. And then I spend a lot of my time with friends and family that have dogs um, and being being dog sitter, etc. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately not right now, but it doesn't feel like there's a lack of interaction in my life. No, no, no. And it's it's very important to bring a dog mm. into your life when you know, you know, you can have one. It's, they're not a commodity, you know, and I think exactly. part of the, the sad side of the pandemic is that people did underestimate the long term, long haul commitment that a dog is and underestimate how difficult it can be to train a dog. You know, they're not born trained and certain dogs are easier to train than others. So it is, that is all true. And I fear we're going to see statistics <laughs> rising mm. and rising of you know dogs being abandoned not least as well you know because we've got this cost of living crisis um, yes. upon us uh, as well I don't know if any of your figures kind of reveal 
that, you know, the, the fact that some people were honestly saying, look, I've bitten off more than I can chew. Yeah, as I said, just re- referencing the point I mentioned earlier around one in four people as of sort of mid mid last year claiming that they had some regrets about bringing a furry friend into their lives during lockdown. So I think I think it entirely reflects your point around oh, this seemed like a great idea when we were bored and stuck at home, but actually (laughs) it's a really big commitment. These are living things that need nurturing and training and um, they're a full full term commitment. Um, And so, yeah, we we have seen that reflected in in the stats, people being a little bit, um, yeah, aware that they may have bitten off more than they could chew. No, it's interesting because for years and years and years, Sarah, cats were more popular than dogs. Yeah. But in your research, quite the opposite's true actually I mean dogs have overtaken cats by quite yeah. a bit yeah but I would also say there are some instances where people get cats so I personally don't like the idea of exclusively indoor cats which again is why I don't have because I'm yearning for a pet but we're just not set up in the way to have either um but I, I do think they can be you've still got to have the right setup for them as well um but yeah we found in the research that dogs are actually by far the most popular pets for consumers in the uk so at 65 percent and then cats are trailing behind at 41 percent um and they but they're far far ahead of all other domestic pets so following up there is sort of fish at about 11 percent rabbits and rodents at six percent birds reptiles three percent um and with the lucky few that have space, horses and donkeys at about yeah. 2%. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, horses are very expensive. That's yes. for sure. You know, that's for sure. And it's interesting, actually, because at the moment I'm on Instagram, actually. the car- I, I seem to see loads of guinea pigs everywhere on Instagram. Mm. And, you know, that might be something for you to consider, Sarah, because I used to have a guinea pig when I was very young and I adored him. He was called Squeak. And um, guinea pigs, they can really be quite trained, you know, and they're they're they've got huge personalities <laughs> absolutely a, a very close friend of mine has got a couple of guinea pigs that she is obsessed with and the amount of um just like to- not even toys but like she can buy a guinea pig pram for example that was just readily available for her like a specifically designed guinea pig pram to go take her guinea pigs on a little afternoon walk I was just like wow (laughs) there's a whole community out there (laughs) gosh you know gosh I'm feeling you know broody about a guinea pig but I just worry I think my cat gremlin who is very much an outdoor cat and he's Mm. huge you know as his name suggests I think he'd sadly have the guinea pig for breakfast actually which is obviously to say on a podcast but you know that is what cats are like they have a very high um they are predators most definitely but it's interesting isn't it you know we're we're not shy to spend on our pets i mean another study actually well a case study proved that we humans are prepared to live on baked beans and toast at the moment so that we can feed our dogs and cats and everything Mm -hmm. and again your research certainly backs that up yeah, and our research has been done here kind of right on the cusp of the cost of living crisis in the UK. Um, and what we're really keen to do is track this over time, because as you say, it's it, people are really starting to have to scrimp and that's going to become more realised over time. So it's something we're keeping an eye out of. So this is just a sort of moment in time stat, but we can absolutely update you as we go throughout the rest of the year. But we find that... Um, yeah, the majority of Brits are tending to spend between 26 to 50 pounds um, on their pets monthly 
Um, so about 40% are spending that. And actually one in five is spending between 50, 51 to 75 pounds a month. Um, and we're seeing a sort of similar, a similar fallout in the US market as well. Um, but we see that out of the hosts of treats and necessities, people are more willing, to, are most willing to have insurance for their pet in case of any problems. So it's more on the, the spend is more going on the kind of protection of their pet as opposed to really lavish, you know, food and, and gifts and that sort of thing. Um, so that's the sort of top of the list of what they're spending on. Um, but we find 50% are actually purchasing quite premium food. 36% is vitamins and supplements. 18% cook for their pets um, and 12% are signed up for a treat subscription, which I think is quite a new phenomenon that's come into place and is um, an yeah. interesting one to watch. It is an intro, this subscription one. A lot of firms are doing that. I think, again, that's been born out of the pandemic where people couldn't go anywhere, you know, yeah. so you get things delivered. But having said that, this is why it's so interesting, research. Your research also proves that, hang on, most pet owners still prefer to frequent the pet store to get everything from food, treats and equipment. So, and that's lovely for the retailers because of course, at the moment, retailers are finding it tough. The high streets, the face of the high streets changing, isn't it, Sarah? Mm. So it's good to know that your good old pet shop will still be there. Yeah, absolutely. This was quite a surprising one for me, actually, because as you say, we've seen such an e-commerce boom with the pandemic, um, things like subscriptions soaring. Um, but particularly for pets, people want to go in and talk to somebody that they trust. And at the moment, that still seems to be the pet shops because of their speciality and I suppose the ability to actually talk to somebody. Um, so, yeah, I think that there seems to be a really strong future for um, you know, real high street pet shops, um, in particular for food um, and for, for treats, as you said, people still want to be in person, um, but also equipment. So things like toys, leases, uh, cages, um, people want to be making these purchases uh, in store over online. I know, and I can see why, to be honest with you. It's it's a day out for your dog, you know, because dogs do get you out. I mean, that's the yes. one thing they have over cats, for example. Maybe yes. not guinea pigs now with their prams, but, <laughs> um, you know, and of course, to take your dog up, I do this, you know, I got to my local pet shop and we go shopping, you know, and it's great. And dogs get loads of attention from people and they, you know, they get all the stimulus and try and nick toys off the shelf and cause havoc and it's you know lots of good fun a bit like going to a toy shop you know when when you were young you know <laughs> I think that's an added bonus you know people actually want have to and want and should want to do both take their dogs places and what could be better than combine a bit of shopping with fun for your dog you're so right it, it's exactly like we were talking about before which is the dog is just very much part of their life they're seen as an extension of the family. You would go out, you know, shopping, food shopping, get excited about the snacks you're going to get with your family. So why wouldn't you want to do the same with your pet? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, toys, you know, you go and buy a, a new toy. It's quite a, you know, fun experience. Well, yeah, I love it, you know, because there's nothing more fun than, you know, returning home and then having a good game of fetch or something with your, your new toy. And they know it's new dogs and because they, they're so intuitive as, as animals, you know, man's best friend. You've, you know, mm. I always say at the moment, we can't let them down. I mean, an interesting thing that I think maybe it's been missed on your survey, but, you know, maybe it's for another one, mm. is what we're seeing. I 
don't know about in the States, I'd love to know actually, is about picking up dog poo. Because mm. right now in the UK, there is a crisis. There used to be a crisis and it got better because so much awareness, you know, local councils had people dressed in plain clothes, as it were, you know, patrolling parks and would find people on the spot. It got really quite strict in London for a while and mm. the mess got picked up. Then suddenly, now, it's unbelievable. I can't really get my head around that because, you know, it's part part and parcel of being a responsible dog owner and not, you know, being the minority that spoils or could ban dogs for the majority. Mm. Yeah, as you say, I haven't got any data I can leverage upon at the time being from personal experience. Absolutely, I've seen that. Um, yeah. And I think that what would be really interesting is to understand the breakdown of are these new pet owners because we've spoken about people you know on a whim getting a pet without possibly understanding the full breadth of what that means from a responsibility standpoint um so that would be quite interesting to dig into you know how can we blame new pet owners exclusively was it uh what was causing that behavior i think is the big question mark um and yeah certainly something we could look into yeah, no, it is it, it is something. Do you know from this 65% of, you know, all Britons now, how many of these are under 37? Do you think that a lot of the, the, the wave of dog ownership has landed in the more younger... You know how in the olden days, Sarah, you used to think, well, when I retire, I'll get a dog. Yeah, yeah. that used to be, you know, the big thing. But now, you know, thanks, of course, to offices like your own being dog-friendly and dog-walking services, creche services, you know, more and more of the real working generation are bringing dogs into their lives, which you know, I think is brilliant. But could it be an age thing here on the picking up poo? So, yeah, something I could certainly look into and come back to you on. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I don't have the data in front of me, Anna. I'm so sorry, but we can easily skew that on our um, on our database and have a look. Uh, just to correct that as well. So it's not 65% of Brits, it's 65% of pet owners have dogs. Right, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, let, let me um, let me have a look into that and I can I can let you know. No, no, no. But I mean, certainly what it proves, doesn't it, this research is that what I call the hound pound is really, despite everything at the moment, <laughs> a trustworthy economy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's wonderful that, you know, we do have all of these different foods for people to choose from. And it's heartening that, as you say, in this 50% are choosing premium quality brands and cooking for their dogs, you know, and I would hope choosing raw, balanced, complete meals for their dogs, as that's something I really think is a, a great option to keep your dogs healthy and live longer. It's wonderful that you're taking the effort to really try and understand how in this age we're evolving more and more with animals by our side because let's face it it's not a new thing you know dogs have been evolving with us epigenetically for around 30,000 years mm. but it's becoming you know all the more modern and but they're still by our side. Yeah and I think it's interesting that still while we see the pinch, people are not wanting to scrimp on this on this pet that they have because 
they are an extension of the family. We actually, we, we ran a, a piece of research last week. Um, so we haven't come live with the findings just yet, but we were asking more broader questions around the uh, cost of living crisis and asking people, you know, what is the one thing you wouldn't scrimp on no matter how tight things get? What's the one thing that's so special? And I feel, you know, I imagine a few years ago, that would have been something more maybe consumer-based, like, well, I love to have, you know, a new a new handbag or, uh, you know, a, a bottle of wine that's nice or something. And we're seeing a real big shift into, I just want to make sure my family and very much pets was included in here, um, have the best food, they are warm, they are comfortable. And it's this really big shift towards just the fundamentals of what are important as people are, uh, you know, their, their wallets are tighter. But interestingly, pets is a central part of that. They are part of the family. And I think that's what all of this reveals. I think you're right. Well, this is so heartening, really, you know, that, you know, man's best friend, as usual, will pull us through no matter what. You yes. know, you can count on your dog. That's something my dad told me a long time mm. ago. And it's so true. But yeah, just going back, I mean, just quickly, I mean, it's brilliant, right? So so here it says, um, with the majority preferring to buy things in a supermarket or in a pet store and only 9% buying online. Now, I love that because that is, again, proving dogs are going to keep us connected. And if we're going to keep our dogs as part of the family, there's, there's hope for us all that, you know, we've still got a community around us, come what may. Yeah, yeah. We haven't spoken about the role of supermarkets. I think they... Um, they are really important for all of these different yeah food treats equipment um so for retailers it's something they need to be thinking about how can they make more of celebrating birthdays or how can they make more of dog specific events <laughs> um to be able to encourage that kind of community and coming together as you say well it looks like honestly looking at my diary at the moment it's getting good and booked up to host lots of doggy events around london through the summer so all being well you know we'll all be getting together and uh celebrating your research which i think is is a good good way to end this episode sarah and just say thank you very much for looking into pets my absolute pleasure. And we will continue to do so. So um, so happy to come back whenever we've got something else interesting to say. Oh, I'd love that. No, please, please, please. And I'd love to know if you um, take on a guinea pig. Yes, I'll keep you posted on the pram purchasing. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Cheers, Anna. Well, Mr. Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Yes, it is good news that dogs are still being prioritised as part of the family, even when we're all tightening our belts. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. You can't argue with statistics, and it's true. The UK is a nation of dog lovers. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcast. Thanks again to Sarah Hollinshead from A Test. All the links are in our show notes. Thanks, of course, to my producer, Mike Hanson, from Pod People Productions. Find out more about him and his firm at Pod People UK. And for more on me, I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? Subscribe now. It's free. And that way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye for now.